Look, today we're going we're gonna to do some topical preaching, and uh, it's not my preferred method um, uh, of preaching. Uh, as many of you know, I prefer to go verse by verse through a book of the Bible and, um, and absorb and consume everything it has for us, and that's really my preferred method, but um, we've been doing some topical stuff, and today... That's what we're going to do, topical. See, uh, see, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, I, was, I had hit, uh, I guess, like a writer's block, okay? And a, a writer's block. Now, um, it, it, as a sermon writer, as a pastor, as a preacher, I had nothing. A few weeks ago, uh, I had uh, nothing for uh, the sermon on a Sunday, and... Um, so I'm getting ready for the week, and I've got nothing. I've got no, no clarity, no passage, no topic, no, no... I'm talking blank. I've got nowhere to go. Uh, Tuesday, getting a little anxious. Wednesday, stress level is rising, because Sunday's coming. And you guys expect a sermon every week. Can you believe that? And so Sunday's coming. Uh, Wednesday, anxiety's rising. Thursday, stressing, because um, right now we are doing we were doing uh, sermons online, which means I need to record on Friday or Saturday morning at the latest to get church online going. Um, and I was panicking, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I've got no direction. I've got no passage. I've got no topic. I've got absolutely nothing. And I happened to be um, meeting with. Uh, friend of mine over Zoom, and we were talking, and I was expressing to him my stress and how I had nothing at all, and he said, um, well, man, you know, if you ever need me to preach for you, I'd be willing to. And I said, well, it's like Thursday. You'd be willing to preach like this weekend? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, yeah, yes, I would. I said, all right, let me, let me think about that for a minute. Let me pray about it. Prayed about it, thought about it. I said, please, would you? I've got nothing. Jesse McBride a few weeks ago preached for me and because uh, I was absolutely roadblock. And, and you might say, well, look, doesn't the Holy Spirit tell you what to say? Yes. But sometimes the Holy Spirit says, I'm not talking to you right now. I'm not, I'm not going to give you anything right now because he wants something different. And so anyways, my friend, he, Jesse McBride, so graciously stepped in. He recorded a sermon that Friday. Uh, for our church online service, did a great job. I, th I believe it was just what God wanted for that weekend. But here's the thing, right whenever he accepted, whenever he accepted, there was something that lifted off of me. All that stress kind of lifted, and I got clarity. I'll tell you all this, because I'm going somewhere with this. I got some clarity. It was amazing. It was like as soon as I took care of that Sunday, it's like the Holy Spirit began to speak again and gave me the sermon for the next three weeks, so this is the third week now, and, uh, and then gave me some inspiration for the next book of the Bible that we're going to be studying, and it was just amazing, praise the Lord. And so in that moment, this was one of the sermons, and um, this sermon is just things that I'm learning during a pandemic, okay? These are just some observations that I have. Um, some things, three things that I'm learning 
during a pandemic that I believe God wants for us to go through. Can we, uh, can we pray first? Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for this time we're able to share together, and I thank you that you have prepared a word for us and that you're willing to speak to us. God, I just pray that as we open your word and we see what you want to say, I pray that you would use my words, use my tongue, come and have your way. Open our hearts, open our minds. I pray that this message would bless and speak to everyone watching in person and online. Come and have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, today's a special day for me. I forgot to mention this. Um, today is my fifth anniversary of preaching here at Bayou Tower. Praise the Lord. So um, this was the first Sunday. Uh, I was actually asked to be the interim pastor. This is, this is uh, my preaching anniversary. This is the most significant day for me because this is the day that all, everything changed for me. Um, I went from being a youth pastor, speaking to a bunch of teenagers. Great job. Love it. Miss it. Um, but... But then, hey, can you preach every week to uh, the church? And life changed at that moment, and in that season of interim, the Lord spoke and said, all right, I want you here for a little bit longer. And, uh, and so five years ago today, June, the first Sunday of June, uh, I began preaching here weekly. And, um, and so, praise the Lord, it's been a good journey. As many of you have written me notes, thank you for that, it's been so encouraging. And can't wait to hear and see what God has for us next. Okay, so thing I'm learning, things I'm learning uh, in a pandemic, I'm learning um, that uh, we have taken the scent of hand sanitizer for granted, okay? And, um, and I don't know if, if you have smelled the hand sanitizer that we have in the lobby, but whenever I ordered that hand sanitizer, they had a disclaimer saying, hey, because of the demand of hand sanitizer, um, we had to change the scent of it. And I was like, I don't care what the smell of the hand sanitizer is. Yes, I care what the smell of the hand sanitizer is, and you do too. I didn't know that hand sanitizer could smell like two-day-old baby vomit. Okay? I got that one from Brandy. Thank you, Brandy. All right, so it is, uh, we took the hand sanitizer. Um, I also learned uh, in a pandemic that you cannot wear glasses and a mask at the same time. It's not happening, okay? Uh, either you see or you protect yourself and others. It's, you can't have both at the same time, and those with glasses get it. Um, and then I'm also learning that uh, I should have invested in a toilet paper company, all right? And um, that was something we all missed. I, didn't, I don't think any of us saw that coming, but now we'll know uh, to put a lot of stock in toilet paper. What have you learned? What have you learned during a pandemic? Um, those are all kind of some silly, funny things, and I'm sure there's some things that you could list that have been uh, a little bit humorous about how life has changed, but what have you learned? Um, can we get a little more serious? Things are, things, things are crazy right now, aren't they? I brought this stool because I feel like I've just got to sit down and say, we're living in a crazy world. What is going on? is going on we we none of us saw our world turning into what it has with the coronavirus it seemed like overnight everything was flipped upside down and then um, whenever you you, th you think it can't get any worse it's like 
something else gets worse. Um, it, it's almost like we shook up a can of soda and then somebody just punctured it. And it seems like our world's unraveling and things are falling apart and things are going crazy and what do we do? What do we do um, in this world? I, I, I know you see some of these memes that are going around and one of the memes is this person like this and they're like, look outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're in, right? Because it's like, what <laughs> is going on? Or what level of Jumanji are we on? Um, because it seems like it just gets, keeps getting worse. And even if today we said, I don't think it can get worse, I think we would be challenged on that. Is it okay if, before we get in the sermon, um, if we just took a moment and prayed for our world, prayed for our, our country, our nation, and uh, there's so much chaos and division and um, evil and wickedness, and, and so... Um, our nation needs to be healed. We need a healing. And only the Lord can do that. So, Father, we just thank you um, for giving us the ability to come before you now. And, Lord, our hearts are burdened for our country. God, there's so much injustice and evil, and wickedness, and sin, and hate, and disease, and death, destruction, God, you know. Father, we pray that you'd heal our, our land. God, we know your word says, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will heal from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So God, I pray that it would start in your house with your people, that we would humble ourselves, repent, and turn from our wicked ways, and that you would heal our land. Heal brokenness. Heal disease. Pray that you'd revive us. Help us. We need you, God. Desperately. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um... Here's the first thing that I'm learning is uh, that we need people, don't we? We need people. Have you felt this, like, ache for people like I have? Like, it seems like we've all been uh, sent home and uh, quarantined and social distanced, and we're just now beginning to reopen and be able to do some normal activities and see people, but still with a lot of precautions, and it, it just seems, I don't know about you, but I felt like an ache to be with people. And I'm a pretty introverted person, so being alone and staying at home, and all that's natural for me, I'm, I'm good with that. But it's gone too long, and I didn't realize how much I need people, how much I need human interaction. And um, 
the idea of our need for people has been so intertwined with God and God's people for a very long time. And uh, at the beginning of the church, when the church was birthed in the beginning of Acts and Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and and, uh, 3,000 people were saved and it gave a, a little description about kind of what they prioritized, and this is in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, describing the early church, says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. It's interesting that they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves. Is, uh, is that how you would describe your devotion, your, your relationship with fellowship, with community, with God's people is that you're devoted to it. There's another passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, not neglecting meeting together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what he's saying here is that as the people of God, we should never neglect the uh, meeting together of the people of God. And you say, well, pastor, you neglected the the meeting together when you uh, shut down in-person services. No, no. Okay, no, one, we didn't neglect it. It was a short season. But also, we did everything we could to meet together online. All right? And now we're here back together. Not neglecting the meeting together. Fellowship is so essential to the church and to human uh, health. They devoted themselves. What does devoted mean? Um... One Bible dictionary describes it this way. Devoted means to continue to do something with intense effort. With the possible implication of difficulty. To devote oneself. To keep on. To persist in. They were devoted. To keep on doing something with intense effort even in the possibility of difficulty. Wow, that's devoted. Who do you think of when you think of someone who's devoted? One of the per- people I think of in, in, the, in the Christian tradition is Billy Graham. You think of Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham, the great evangelist. I don't know how many people in our country and in, around the world have been saved through the ministry of Billy Graham. And when I think of him, I think of someone who's devoted. Devoted. Someone who intensely, with intense effort, gave his life to evangelism, to seeing people come to Jesus. And he poured his whole life into it. And he wasn't uh, getting away from it. That's what he was devoted to with his life. Who do you think of whenever you think of someone who's devoted? Is it a grandparent? Is it maybe a parent or a, a good friend or... Maybe there's some famous person who you look up to, but um, devoted to fellowship. Now we should put intense effort into being together, meeting together. Why is this important? Did you know that that relationship and fellowship and community um, is built into the Trinity, built into God himself, God One God uh, in the three persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, God's never alone. God is never alone. Within Himself, there is community. Within Himself, there is relationship. And He created us for the same stuff. 
You know, one, it says that we're created in the image of God. In Genesis, it says God created them in his image. And so we, still, we have that same desire, that same need, that Satan craving to, to be with one another. But also, when he created everything, he created the trees and the waters and the hills and the animals and Adam. And you know what he said after every day of creation? He said, it is good. It is good. It is good. Somebody say, it feels good. It is good. Right? And then he saw Adam and he gave Adam the job of naming all the anim animals so he was able to, to interact with all of them to see which one was uh, most compatible with him. And, and God saw that he was alone. There was not a companion suitable for him. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a companion. I'll make him a helper. And so he made Eve. Here's the thing. In creation, it is good, it is good, it is good. But when he saw man alone, he said it's not good. It's not good for us to be alone. We need people. Uh, just, I didn't know if you knew this, but um, whenever he was naming the animals, the, the animal that came closest to being the best companion outside of woman was a dog, okay? And um, just didn't know if you knew that. Go read Genesis again. You won't see it because I'm joking. But the, um, we need people. We need people. Over the past few months, I've experienced that, that it is not good to be alone and uh, have kind of craved being with people. And I don't know if you ever had a dried out sponge I had a dried out sponge and it's been sitting for days and it's just parched and then you stick it into some water and you just immediately see it come to life. It's like, that's what I feel like whenever I see people now. It's like, oh my goodness, it's people. It's people. And, uh, and then even now, it's like, although we can see each other, we're still not able to fully embrace. And so it's even as you've come to church, maybe you felt it kind of weird that you're like, I know we're supposed to be keeping distance, but I so want to just hug you and high five and shake your hand and pat you on the back. Like it's just difficult because we so need people. I was thinking about uh, how there's studies that talk about this. Uh, they've studied the, the need for relationship and the need for even physical touch. Did you know that? Did you know that research shows that a person needs eight to ten uh, meaningful touches a day to maintain physical and emotional health. You know that? Eight to ten. You need meaningful physical touches in order to maintain your health. Um, here's one excerpt from one study. It says, there are studies showing that touch signals safety and trust. It soothes. It soothes. Soothes. Let's make up words up here. Soothes. Basic warm touch calms cardiovascular stress. It activates the body's vagus nerve, which is intimately involved with our compassionate response. It's so interesting. They, they, they've done so many studies, and go look it up, but the, the reality is that there's something about even physical touch. Physical touch. Premature babies, they, they do better uh, health-wise. There's more survival rate if they're held. And if they're touched, then babies that aren't held and touched. And so um, it's just amazing how we need people. And God just built that into our, 
being that we need people. 1 Corinthians 12 says, uh, talking about the body of Christ, says, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again can the hand, the head, say to the feet, I don't need you. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the part of the body that seems to be weaker is indispensable. I love that. It's indispensable. You are indispensable. The role you play in the body of Christ is indispensable. I don't need people. I don't need all that. I don't need to be in a small group. I don't need to be connected. I don't need to be in relationship. I don't need, I don't need you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You are indispensable. And I can't say we don't need you, and you can't say we don't need me, and we all play different roles, and we're all a little bit different, but uh, we need you. We need you. And the body of Christ is missing something without you. You know, um, how many of you have seen your own liver? No, me neither, okay? Um, But did you know if you didn't have it, things would be going poorly for you right now? Right? Um, You kind of need that. And although we don't see it, and it's kind of behind the scenes, and it's working around where nobody knows... um, Here's the thing, if it was gone, you would notice. You would notice. The point is that we need you, and we need each other, and the body of Christ doesn't function like it should unless we have one another. Here's the application of this. What are you doing to build relationships with people in our church? What are you doing to build relationships with people in our church? What are you doing to make new relationships with our church? We can't settle for just knowing the people that we know and and having fellowship with the people we have fellowship with and not extending that to other people and getting connected and getting involved. And so there's some very practical ways to apply this. One is uh, just small groups. Small groups. We're not really meeting small groups. Well, they're going to start meeting back real soon. Um, But there's online groups, online men's group and online women's group and online adults group and online youth group, and um, again, some of those things are going to start meeting back in person, but start fellowship. My, my, my Bible study on Wednesday night is called Bible Study and Fellowship with uh, Pastor Justice, okay? Get together, connect with people, get in a group. Hey, well, there's not a group that I really like. Start a group, start a group, and uh, begin to fellowship. In order for us to be mentally and emotionally and spiritually and even physically healthy, we must have meaningful relationships. Last week we talked about the importance of this, the unity in the body of Christ and how much more we can accomplish with one another. But here's the other thing is that we are weaker whenever we are apart. Whenever you, uh, Ecclesiastes 4, we read that verse that talks about two are better than one and If one falls, how can he get up? And if you fall alone, you're just, you're just, you're in trouble. If you're alone and you're cold, you're in trouble. If you're alone and you get in a fight, you're in trouble because alone you are weak. And I don't know if you've ever watched that National National Geographic um, channel and you see the lion. That's the most exciting part of that channel, right? It's like when the lion is pursuing that antelope or whatever and here's the thing the one that he goes after is the one that like strays away 
is like, I don't need you guys. I don't need you guys. And then he goes, boom, right? And now he's lion food because he didn't stay in the pack because he went out on his own. And we see the same thing in the story where Jesus left the 99 to go find the lost sheep. Why did he leave the 99 to go after that one lost sheep? One reason is because the one lost sheep was in danger. Whenever you get out on your own, whenever you wander away and stray out, you're in danger because God created us to be together. Here's the thing. You might be able to survive without people, but you cannot uh, thrive without people. You know that you could probably survive without uh, food for a little while. You could just live off water. And um, not forever, but for a good while. Just drinking water. No food. I don't need that. Just drinking water. But here's the thing. What would happen is um, you might be surviving, but you are shriveling. And your health is shriveling, and your mental health would shrivel. I believe your emotional health would shrivel, and ultimately you'd end up dying because of it, because we need this. And so what the Bible says and what studies show to confirm it is we need each other. We need each other. And that's one thing that I've just seen in this whole pandemic. I took for granted the relationships that I had. I took for granted meeting with people, seeing people, touching people, greeting people. We need people. And then the second thing is that we need patience. We need patience. If you're going to be with people, you need patience, don't you? And, uh, and here's, here's, here's one verse that I've found to be just an encouragement and a challenge for me in this time is uh, Romans 12, 12. Romans 12, 12 says this, Rejoice in hope. Amen. Be patient in tribulation. I'm not liking how this is going. Be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. There's different words uh, in the Greek that are translated as patience. And this one in this verse is is, uh, hupomene. And we've talked about hupomene before. Which hupomene means to remain under. And so it's this idea of remaining under um, a pressure. Uh, This word could also be translated as endurance. Um, perseverance, but be patient to remain under. But other words for um, patience in the Greek that we're going to see today is um, really made up of two words, which means this, um, long passion. Two words, long passion. Or passion could be translated anger. So long passion or long anger, what this means is waiting sufficient time before expressing anger. Whoa. This avoids the premature use of force, retribution, that rises out of improper anger or a personal reaction. So, is it that what impatience is? It's like, my ability to get angry is so quick. I'm so short. You cut me off in traffic. Boom! I'm angry. That's impatience, right? You say something that offends me. Boom! I'm angry. That's Impatience, right? You, uh, you uh, post something that offends me on Facebook. Unfriended, right? 
unfriended. I don't know how many times I've seen unfriend me if you disagree with this. This week on Facebook. Just unfriend me. Unfollow me. I'll delete you if I find out you disagree with me. Impatient. Just like that. I'm heated. Maybe you know someone who is, what do they call it, short-tempered? Short-tempered? And so this idea, this biblical idea of patient is not short-tempered, but long-tempered. That's what it means to be patient. That it takes you a long time to get angry. Here's a, here's a quote um, from Billy Graham. Uh, whenever I, uh, my first day in youth group here, I, can't, I went to youth group here at Bayou Tala. And my first day, this was after Katrina. This was 2006, 2007. My first day in youth group, we were meeting. This hall used to be classrooms. And we were meeting in a classroom in there. And Brother Bear was the pastor, at the youth pastor at the time. And he said, me and some of my friends, he said, hey, you guys want to start a youth group? And we're like, yeah, we want to start a youth group. And so he said, well, meet in this room on Sunday morning. So we met in that room on Sunday morning. And that first week, uh, he had all these Billy Graham study Bibles. And he gave us each a Billy Graham study Bible. And this is one I have here in front of me. And it was a paperback. So, you know, as a teenager, you just wrap it in duct tape. And that's a, that is a, an orange duct tape. Cool? And so, um, but here's the Billy Graham study Bible. And one of the things that this Bible has is uh, these topical index where you can go and, and study what the Bible has to say about different topics. And, and here's an excerpt about what he says about patience in the Billy Graham study Bible. Patience, he says is an admirable quality that few people, including Christians, seem to possess. According to God's word, our lives should be characterized by patience. For it is important in the developing the mature, stable character that God wants to produce in His people. Patience is the ability to absorb strain and stress without complaint and to be unwavering in spite of of obstacles, delays, or failures. It involves the recognition that many things in life are beyond our control. To be patient is to accept this fact without allowing ourselves to be diverted from the course or discouraged from the achievement of our goals. God allows difficulties, inconveniences, trials, and even suffering to come our way for a specific purpose when we learn to see that these trials work to our advantage in achieving beneficial character-building results, the stage is set to develop patience. The Holy Spirit will then become able to produce the fruit of patience in our life. As we have greater patience, it is then easier to submit our will to the sovereignty of God and to acknowledge His superior wisdom and perfect timing. That's from Billy Graham, or at least his study Bible. And um, here's the thing. So patience is something that God is creating in us, the ability to handle all the difficulties of life in a way that um, we don't get angry, fly off the handle, complain, grumble, that kind of thing. Patience means waiting. Here's the thing. If after today you decide to go and pray for patience, Oh, I don't even I don't even like to pray for that, right? I just let the Lord do that because because um, whenever you pray for patience, He gives you opportunities to be patient, and most of the time it means that somebody is going to cause you to wait. Waiting. Romans eight twenty five says, "But if we hope for what we do not see, 
We wait for it with patience, talking about our hope for heaven. There's going to be a day. No more tears, no more pain, no more riots, no more racism, no more pandemic, no more disease, no more death, no more tears, none of that. There's going to be a day, he says, and we can wait for that with patience. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I love he's like, just in case you missed it, wait for the Lord. We've got to wait. Here's the thing is um, we're impatient. When I think of impatience in the Bible, I think of this passage in Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 32, um, what we have here is Moses, he's leading the people of Israel through um, the wilderness. And several times they've, when they needed water, so God provided water, and they needed manna, so God provided, God, they needed food, so God provided manna. And so God's like taking them on this journey, and there's one moment where God calls Moses up to Mount Sinai. And maybe you know this, this scene where God calls Moses, and, and the presence of the Lord comes down on the mountain, and God begins to speak with Moses and, and teach Moses, and he's, what he's doing is he's giving Moses the Ten Commandments. The, it's the finger of God is writing the Ten Commandments on stone for Moses to then come and give to the people of God. And Moses is up there for a little bit. He's up there for a little bit, and this is what the people of God are doing. Is Moses coming back? I haven't seen him in a few days. He's been up there a while. I saw smoke come down. Is he, did he get did he burn? Did he get on did he set, set on fire? Look at Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed um, to come down from the mountain, isn't that when we get impatient, right? When I get delayed. When I get delayed, when I get delayed in traffic, when I get delayed in my plans, when I get delayed in my vacation, when I get delayed in my, okay, get delayed. When they saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So impatient. He's been up there for a little bit, meeting with God in order to lead them into better places. And then after he's up there for just a little bit, he's like, um, nope, all right, make us a new God. He's been gone for a little while. And you know what Aaron does, like Moses' right-hand man? Aaron's like, okay, give me your gold. And he makes them a God, and they worship this calf, like the calf, this golden calf, is the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt. But here's what I want to notice in this, in this passage, is, uh, or in this scene is they got impatient with God, but God was working for their good the entire time. They just couldn't see it. All right? God is working to get them to the promised land. And part of that process is he's giving Moses some direction, some, some words from the Lord to bring to them. But in the process, they got impatient. And they turned to other gods. And they suffered for it. Um, they suffered for it. They, they, when Moses came down, 
It's, it's interesting. God says, hey, Mo, look, the people down there, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them, Moses. They did it again. They're, they're like wandering. They're so impatient. They're wandering. They're worshiping other gods. I'm going to kill them, Mo. And Mo's like, Lord, Lord, just please be patient. Please, let me just go talk to them. Moses comes down there, and whenever he sees what's going on, idol worship, he gets so angry, he throws the stones. They break. You know what he does? He takes this golden calf that they made, and he grinds it into powder, and he makes them drink it. Here, you drink this. That's so weird, man. Go read the Bible. There's some weird stuff going on. It's exciting. Ultimately, because of that sin, many of them died, but they're so impatient. And, and, just, and just, because, just in case you think, why couldn't they wait? Why couldn't they wait? We don't like to wait either, do we? I don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait for a package to deliver. Right now, it's like, Amazon got us so accustomed to two-day delivery that now it's like, um, what do you mean it's not going to be delivered till July? Like, are you, have you lost your mind? I know delivering stuff, trying to order stuff for, to get live stream going and to get all the hand sanitizer and all that stuff, it's like shipping has been taking forever. And it's like, come on, impatient. Uh, we don't like to wait in line to get into Sam's. Have you had to do that? You had to wait in line to get into Sam's? Wow. Um, we, we don't like to wait for my stimulus check, like the government sending me money. Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? I haven't seen it. Um, we don't like to wait for a text. Do you ever text someone and you're like upset if they don't like, boom, right whenever. They, they don't respond immediately. If you text me, you, you're, I'm, I, my goal is to increase all of your patience. Because when you text me, I just like to give it some time and allow you to become long-tempered and all of that, <laughs> wait for a text. We don't like to wait for a download, right? And we're downloading something from the internet. It's like it's taking too long. Like this thing is coming from space whoop, into your computer. Um, we don't like to wait for a returned call. I mean, all these things. These are things I experience. We don't like to wait. The Psalm 62, 1 says, For God alone, my soul waits in silence. <laughs> what? For from him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. Wait, wait. <laughs> For God alone, my soul waits in silence. He waits in silence? No. I can't wait in silence. If I have to wait, I'm at least going to vent my impatience online. I'm not going to wait in silence, but that's what he says. That's what he says. And it's such a beautiful truth here is that he alone is my rock and my salvation. Here's the thing. In difficult times, we've got to remind ourselves that our salvation um, comes from the Lord. Trump is not going to save us. Biden is not going to save us. Right? The stimulus package is not going to save us. My kids aren't going to save us. My parents aren't going to save me. My, my retirement account is not going to save me. The only thing that's going to provide salvation for me is the Lord. And we must wait, must wait on him. We don't like to wait, but God is teaching us to patiently wait on him. And um, here's the thing about patience. In the waiting, he is preparing you to receive what he is already willing to give you. 
Can I say that again? In the waiting, He is preparing you to receive what He is already willing to give you. Whenever you, He's requiring you to wait, it's not because He's unwilling to give it, but He knows you're not ready to receive it. And He's got to give you some time. And He's got to prepare you in order to handle what He's already willing to pour out on you. Are you being patient in the preparation? Or are you impatiently getting peeved as you miss the promise? Let's wait on the Lord. Let's wait on the Lord. Why be patient? Why be, it's what love does. Did you know this? 1 Corinthians 13.4. What is the first thing it says about love? Love is patient. Why, why, did, why did you have to include that? Love is patient. This is the most loving thing you can do. Be patient with people. Don't be short-tempered. Be long-tempered. Not easily angered. Slow to anger. It's also evidence of the Spirit in our life. Galatians 5.22 gives us the fruit of the Spirit where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what he's saying is that if you have the Spirit of God in you and if you're growing in the Spirit, you will become increasingly patient. And so what we need to do if we want to increase in patience is we must increase in the Lord. Press into Him, be filled with Him, and walk in the Spirit. And the result of that would be patience. I just lost something. Here's an important, um, here's an important principle to remember. Um, we all want the will of God, right? We pray the will of God. Let your will be done. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. As earth is in heaven, we always love to pray the will of God. But here's the thing, we don't just want the will of God and we shouldn't just pray for the will of God. We should pray for the Lord's will in the Lord's way in the Lord's time. That's right. That, hard, that last one is so hard, right? Because doesn't it feel like God's late so many times? But he's never late. He's just on time. And, uh, but we must, we must pray for God's will, God's way, God's time. God is in control. And here's the thing. He saw it fit to allow everything that's happening in the world to happen. I'm not saying he caused it, but I'm saying he's allowing it. And he's working in it. And uh, instead of demanding that it's over, what if we saw, sought to discover what he's trying to teach us in it? Maybe one of the things is he's wanting to teach us to patiently wait on him. Uh, several, a few years ago, I, um, a friend of mine gave me this, <laughs> framed this uh, quote, and um, not completely sure what he was trying to say by it, but um, it's been helpful for me. And uh, I hope it's helpful for you. And it says this. Um, the only thing harder than waiting on God is uh, wishing that you had. 
The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. I bet the Israelites would have uh, testified to that truth. You know, we were so impatient. We couldn't wait on God. But I can tell you, after they drank that golden calf juice, I bet they were saying, the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. Here's what the verse that says at the bottom of it. It says, James 4.10, Humble yourself, therefore, before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads? This is where we're going to end today. I'm sorry, there's three things. You're only getting two of them today. And uh, I'll preach the, the last one some other time. Father, I thank you for the moments we're able to share in here. And... God, I just, um, I pray that we would take this season of difficulty, the season of uncertainty and chaos, tragedy. I pray that we would seek to hear from you, seek to learn from you, Seek to receive the training that you're so eagerly trying to give us. And I just pray God, that you'd help us, that you'd prepare us in this season. That you'd help us to value the relationships that we have and grow in that fellowship. And help us to wait patiently on you. God, prepare us for what you want to give us. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name.